Hey everybody, welcome to the Mary and Tom Show. I'm Tom. I'm Mary. This is our show. So, we've released This Guilty Land, and the sales have been pretty strong. Maybe Very a little, strong. Yeah, maybe stronger than I thought they were going to be. I thought people were going to be interested in it, but I wasn't sure how much they were going to be interested in it. Would they be interested enough to buy it? Well, no, Apparently I knew... Apparently they are. <laughs> I knew people were going to buy it. I'm just saying, just saying I was, I guess, a little surprised and gratified that as many people have, have bought it as, as they did. It's nice to get that out into the world. It's like, it's like getting a weight off my chest because I've been living with this game for, you know, a year and a half. And as I talked about before on, on previous podcasts and such, it's really a very exhausting, depressing topic and it's been an exhausting depressing process so um it's kind of a relief to be moving on from that and uh when the game was released uh we figured there'd be some negative attention around it uh as well as positive and uh you know we we were not necessarily surprised there there hasn't been a whole lot of it but you know there are people who it's, it's just it's not what they want from gaming or from a game and you know we understand that so, some people have noticed that we stopped offering the infamous traffic upgrade decks on our store. Now, the upgrade decks are still part of the games, the box games, but no longer are available as a separate upgrade. Uh, the reason for that is we had ordered a whole bunch of them, and we had uh, been fulfilling them, and we've exhausted our supply. Yes, we had a lot. We went through probably about two-thirds of that very quickly. And then the last third just went very slowly. Interest dwindled considerably, and we were only sending one out. I mean, there were times, what, it was one one a month? Yeah. So we figured, well, we're not going to get another box or two to add to our huge collection of boxes in our two back rooms. It just doesn't make sense for us, because the cards are something that are an upfront cost, to buy another set of cards, buy them in the quantity we need. We have cards out uh, at Blue Panther for the box games that should last for uh, a while for the actual box game orders, but as for offering the upgrades separately, uh, it just doesn't make sense for us right now with the costs involved. Yep. In our last episode, we answered a bunch of questions from people online, and there were a few questions that came in after we had recorded. And so we are doing those today. I apologize in advance if I mispronounce anyone's name. Thede Hannington had three questions, so we're going to take them one at a time. First up, could you give us some information on the space-themed games you've mentioned? So the one we've mentioned like publicly by name and whatnot is Fred Manzo's game. Escape from Hades. Uh, which the art is being done right now, and that's a solitaire game in which you are basically controlling uh, a, uh, I I would call them space merchant marines. Yes. To a degree. Uh, And you are going into a space prison, which is uh, a cylinder, so it has its own gravity, which uh, you stick to the outside or the inside, depending if you're outside it or inside it. So it's on two maps, and you have the outside map and the inside map, you're going back and forth and you're trying to get stuff and rescue a princess and get out of Dodge uh, before your spaceship blows up. So it's a... Space Dodge. Get out of Space Dodge before your spaceship blows up. So it's a 
breaking into the prison, breaking out of the prison uh, game. Um, and that was in development for quite some time uh, with Herman Lutman doing the development work for uh, Fred's design. And it took a while to get the right artist, which is Will Alhambra, who did the art for us for Ribbit and uh, Absolutely Aces and Bitskrieg. And we're really excited with what he's going to be doing. But there's a lot of illustrations on this one, like way more than we've done before. And the art budget is like four or five times our normal art budget. So we're hoping this one sells well. There are other science fiction space-themed games, at least one other, that a design, another designer is working on. But, you know, we haven't actually seen the game yet. You know, it's still being designed. He's talked to us about it. It sounds interesting. It's not something we might want to do. But we need to actually get it and see it and play it before we can say, you know, yes, we'll do this, or, or you know, no, we'll pass on this. But um, I know, you know, we're both big science fiction fans. And Are you? Yes, I am. Don't give me that, Mary. Uh, and it's just finding ways to get into that market because I think the science fiction market particularly... They're usually looking for more luxurious components than what we can provide. We have high-speed hover tank. Yes, we do have high-speed hover I tank. I really enjoyed the humor in the uh, yeah in the whole thing. Um, I, I enjoyed that game. Well, I was like uh, the only person who enjoyed that game. I enjoyed it too. There are two of us. Uh, you know, well. Okay, I was I was one of two people who enjoyed that game. Well, we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do with it. You know, it's it is on my list. I was actually looking forward to um, expansions on that one. I was too. No one bought the first one. Yep. All right. What's next? Okay. Second question: How is Shields and Swords Ancients coming along? Are you taking a break from Shields and Swords two while Ancients gets off the ground, or is something further already in development? Okay, so Shields and Swords Ancients is coming along pretty good. Like, the system, I think, is set. Right now I'm working on scenario design, and I've kind of had to set that aside for a while while working on some other projects and getting some games from other people ready. Like, we were getting Horse and Musket ready, and that always creates like this big uh, bottleneck where everything gets pushed back until that gets done. But I'm going to be getting back to it. Right now I'm trying to finish up the next Table Battles expansion because that will be coming out sooner. Uh, and then I'll be redirecting my focus to uh, Shields and Swords Ancients. As far as the medieval series of games, I mean, I have rough plans for the next one, but... Ooh, what's the next one? Well, that'd be the Irish one. Okay, we're definitely going with the Irish one? Probably. Okay. You know, I'm... I mean, we already paid for Viking illustrations. Might as well get, get more use out of them. Okay. But um, I can't guarantee that, though. You know, I'm, I'm not sure yet, and I'm not sure if that'll be out this year or not. It really depends on what else we have on the docket. We were just going through the list of the games we've committed to publish for this next year. We're already like into the third quarter with with games listed. So, I mean, that might be something that ends up coming, you know, the following year, the next medieval game. I'm not Aww. sure, or it might come out. I don't know. We'll see. You know, when the we started, Irish heritage in me wants this game out now. <laughs> You know, when we started the company, I figured I would be doing two or three Shields and Swords games a year. I would just, like, get them out, right? And I had, you know, we had two out the first year. Um, and then it's been, like, one a year since then. 
but also, you know, other games I've done that are less traditional have, have done better, so I've been putting my focus on that, you know. Oh, black beans! <laughs> Mary found a can, can of... Mary found no, a can of black there's beans. there's packages of four. Okay. Four cans. Yes, I have found black beans. That Sitting is on terrific. the floor in the dining room. All right. I, I should explain that we were looking all over the place for black beans because I, I was making a stew and I needed black beans the other day. And I finally found one lone can. You knew you had more black I beans. I knew I had that. more black beans. And that's the last question from this Katie? Is, yes, this is the last question from him. Um, when doing research for the upcoming game about Shackleton, do you have any book recommendations for us? So I'm still really early on in the research for the Shackleton game. It's kind of been put aside while I've been working on some other things. Um, I've done some kind of general research, just familiarizing myself with the general story. Uh, there was a nice uh, coffee table book with a bunch of the photos uh, taken on the expedition, uh, which really gave me a nice feel for it. And the uh, local uh, zoological institute had a nice exhibition centered around the endurance. And I, you know, spent some time wandering around that, but I had not actually gotten my books on the table and read through them yet. So uh, I will be doing that relatively soon, I think. So I'm just getting some other projects off my plate, and that one will be coming up pretty sh- pretty soon after that. I don't know if that will be one for late next year, or if it's more someone's coming out the following year. It- Aww. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this one. Me too. I want it to be good. I need I need time on it. Really, I'm putting more time into that. to the Westphalia game because that's the next like big game, if that makes sense. Like the next like quote unquote major game. Okay, next question. Alexander Kalatiri asks for information on Roman Republic, Roman Empire-themed games. Okay, so we have, I want to say, three games that we've announced for next year that have a, a, you know, win in Rome theme. Win in Rome, murder all your opponents? That's cheerful. So the first is uh, Antony and Cleopatra. Uh, which is a game by John Tyson. It's an operational-level game about the war between Octavian and Antony, and uh, we should have that out probably in the first quarter next year. Uh, I really enjoy John's uh, approach to operational games, and other people seem to like it too, so happy to publish his games there. The other two are a couple of solo games. One is my game Aurelian Restorer of the World, um, which is in that, you know, three cup kind of uh, system. I'm hoping we'll have that out probably second quarter next year. We haven't gotten the map started yet because there's another project that the artist is working on, but once she's done with that, we'll give her a rallyin. And then we have Stilico, uh, Last of the Romans, which is a Robert Jaleski game, uh, similar system to his Marcus Aurelius game, but with a bit more bells and whistles. That's it right now for the Romans. There might be more, you know, down the road. I, I we enjoy the theme. Okay, our last question is from Wayne Hansen. In your own words, Holland Spiel has been successful. You talk of having a large backlog of designs you would like to publish, so much so that Tom has put off publishing some of his designs to get the others published in a timely manner. 
Have you considered growing Hollenspiel as a company and bringing in other people to assist in the development of games? This is a good question, and the answer is kind of yes and no. So uh, we have actually brought on a developer uh, for our Horse and Musket series. And a big part of that is that Horse and Musket in particular, each volume with its 20 scenarios and special scenario rules, special optional nationality rules, and making sure that the counter mix is right with the counters in the new one and the counters in the base game, it creates kind of a traffic jam, creates kind of a bottleneck where everything else we're working on just gets pushed aside while we try to get the Horse and Musket game ready. We just kind of realized that, you know, this has put us behind in everything else every time. And then we're scrambling every time to get caught up. And we're adjusting our schedule every time. And it just made sense to have someone else handle the development on that. And Doug particularly made sense, uh, Doug Miller, uh, because he's very familiar with the system. And he's very familiar with the period. Now we have other games that outside developers have handled, and that's usually a case like with Fred Manzo and Herman Lutman, where they're very good friends, and they develop each other's games. So all Herman's games are developed by Fred, and all Fred's games are developed by Herman. That's great, because there's less work we have to do, and we still got to get in there as publishers and, and look at the game and test the game, but it's not as intensive as, say, uh, us developing a game from outside designer you know, from scratch, as it were. We're, which, which we did with NATO Air Command. Now, here is where I'd be hesitant bringing in a bunch of, of other developers. I mean, it made sense for us with Horse and Musket and with Doug. A lot of what makes the company work is you and me. Mostly you. I'm, I help out a little bit. That's not true. It's mostly you. No, it's mostly you. No, it's mostly you. It's mostly us. Okay. Okay. That personal touch, I think, is important. And I think that's what has helped us grow the company and succeed. And I think if we adopted a model where we had a lot of outside developers on, on games, I I don't know if that personal touch would be there, if we'd be as invested. I think there'd be a temptation to become less invested. And I don't think that works for us. You know, people have asked us, are you guys ever going to do, like, a tactical game? And by that, they mean, like, a tactical World War II, World War III uh, squad or platoon level. Uh, lots of status markers on each unit and three units in a hex and all being oh transported God. type of oh game. And I don't really like those kind of games in, in the first place. Uh, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I just was remembering that horrible game. Oh, man. Oh. I, I had, I didn't know where anything was. I had stacks of stuff that had markers under, on stacks, underneath of stacks, and I, I was so confused. Me too. <laughs> and so, you know, we're not a great fit for those kind of games uh, as players. And as publishers, I mean, if we can't develop a game, if we can't understand it, then we can't really publish it. We can't evaluate it correctly, and we can't make sure it's at the level of quality that we want. Now, again, this this case with with um, horse and musket, that's that's a special situation in that you know we know this game works, and I developed the first three. You know, working with with Sean there. I think if we have another passing the torch, you know, that's fine. 
Yeah, I think if we have another situation with a horse and musket type game, whatever uh, um, era it may be, yeah. where it's a series and it's big and takes up a huge amount of time, we're probably going to need a Have developer to, yeah. for that. But uh, at the moment, we're not looking to grow the company in in that way because so much of it is trying to make sure we have control over what we're putting out and that we take responsibility and ownership for it so that if we succeed, you know, it's on us. And if we fail, it's also on us. We have no one to pass the buck to. We're out of questions. We're out of questions. That's okay. We'll answer more questions in 10 episodes. Wait a minute. I have a question. You have a question? Okay. Yeah. Dinosaurs. That is is not a question. You did not. (laughs) It's a running gag. There's a difference. Dinosaur table battles? When will it be out? When can I play it? I want to get... I mean, I'm working Dinosaur on Dinosaur table battles on the table. I am literally working. I actually have written rules for it. I literally know how the game works. I need to actually do the cards. I'm going to actually test the cards because that's going to be the tricky part. Because the other table battles games, you know, each scenario, uh, in a way, is kind of a one-off. I have cards specifically for that scenario, and they work in certain ways with each other, and there are certain narrative elements that I can introduce. Narrative is an important part of table battles. Like doing like the crazy stuff that happened historically, find a way to replicate that within the confines of the system is kind of the meat of the thing. And I don't have that for dinosaur table battles. What I have, uh, the framework I have is, you know, each person gets some dinosaurs, and then they fight, and it's making sure that all the possible or as many as possible of the possible card combinations, dinosaur combinations, work together, and is making sure that there is a sense of narrative, which will probably be some more like high-speed hover tank where there's a higher randomness factor, like a random event kind of thing. Uh, high-speed hover tank had that Kerplow deck where if your tank uh, experienced a critical nuclear failure, if you roll a zero on the D10, your, your tank blows up, and you draw a card and some crazy thing happens. Kaplow. And it's probably something more akin to that where, oh my gosh, look at this crazy thing that happened. So we're not going to have any of the historic dinosaur battles? No, I'm afraid not. Mm. There's, not there's not enough research, not enough material on oh, it. Wow. Uh, but what I did do, I did fix one, one, one big problem, which is if you have dinosaurs fighting each other, you know, one of the dinosaurs might get hurt. That's right. So instead of dinosaurs getting killed they go to the dinosaur hospital they go to the dinosaur hospital yes where i promise they'll be all better i mean that's probably gonna come out next year i think it depends on how well that testing goes it's definitely more of a crazy wild game than the more constrained games i usually do so it's a little bit outside my wheelhouse but uh that's okay houses usually don't have wheels they do now they do now Bye. Bye.